I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnists Scott Osler and Bruce Jenkins. On Thursday morning, we sat down at the Chronicles headquarters on Mission Street to preview what should be an intriguing training camp. We'll have our conversation right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Bruce and Scott, I really appreciate you guys joining me. This is my first podcast back from what I call my annual summer sabbatical, where I'm off for a good, you know, eight week chunk, uh, traveling around and getting rejuvenated. So I'm eager to be back in the studio, and I'm happy to have you guys with me. Two of my my favorite coworkers and columnists, um, some of the best out there. Um, we're we're coming up on media day so it's 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 approaching media day is this coming monday uh so the off season is officially ending and this is a training camp that i'm honestly more excited about than i've ever been any training camp since i've been on the beat this will be my fourth year on the beat and there's so many more questions facing this team than there have been really in the in the past five six years um there there's a lot of mystery a lot of intrigue, a lot of new players, eight new players, uh, even changes to the staff. Um, and obviously expectations aren't as high. The Warriors aren't necessarily supposed to win the, the NBA title this year. But just from a reporting perspective, I'm borderline just giddy to dig into all the new storylines and new players. From your perspective, is it does it make it even more exciting when you have all this intrigue and 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 newness or the fact that they're not as good does that take some of the intrigue away in your mind i think it's way more interesting uh i kind of reached a point last year i don't know if i was jaded but there was a certain sameness to the way this whole thing was going and you know the regular season was a bit of a drag because you knew they're going to be there are they going to you know they relaxing here you know how motivated are they and boy this year i'll tell you especially uh curry and draymond these guys are going to be motivated like crazy to so they're still the Warriors, they're still relevant, and uh, I think that's great. And, and like you say, I mean, all these new guys, who, who's going to play the small forward? How are, is Jordan, is Poole going to work out, and Pascal? You always get the new guys, but this year these guys can really play a role. Uh, Spellman could be interesting, who knows? So just all of that I think is really refreshing. Yeah, doing a quick step back. And by the way, you folks who are listening, you can't see us, but Connor is back from his vacation. He's not totally back because he's sitting here in shorts, 
And I sure I think he's, he's I guess he's gonna hit the beach right after this. He's God got a camp Winnemucca hat. I'm still I was in uh, I was in Maui a couple weeks ago. I'm still trying to live those island vibes. Still trying to they got the Nelly hangover, I think. But, I'm just uh, glad you got two months off. That is very cool. And yeah. in these days of tightening everything up, that you deserve that in a huge way. Yeah. And on the subject of, of Connor and, and Bruce mentioning the excitement and the, the interest in training camp, I'm I was just thinking, stepping back, I've been in the Bay Area twenty seven years now, I think, at the Chronicle. And, uh, of course, there was about 20 of those years when the Warriors, nobody cared about them because they weren't any good. But uh, in that entire span, I don't think there's been a, a training camp, certainly not a media day, a training camp uh, that is this interesting and entertaining and, and full of, uh, as Connor said, mystery and everything. This is the best. This is going to be the most newsy, interesting, uh, <clears throat> can't-miss training camp in, since I've been up here. I also find it refreshing that Durant is not here. Lord knows the guy's <laughs> the best player in the world, and when, once the game starts, man, watch out. He's, he's phenomenal, yeah. and I wish him the best, but all the drama and you know what's going to happen and his uh, indifference toward it all and the social media stuff. Uh, Frank Isola wrote, wrote about that in The Athletic the other day, calling, here comes the soap opera to, to our town, and, and I do wish him well, but I don't think anybody's going to miss all that. I, I've had a lot of conversations this summer with other writers, people on the beat, and that's kind of the collective mood in, in the media core is is just one of relief that mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is gone. And the reality is I, I'm going to look back on that experience being able to cover one of the greatest players of all time, Absolutely. and I'm going to cherish it. And it was there, there were a lot of cool moments. Um, felt like I got to really witness history in a lot of ways. But the truth is by toward the end of last season, really – Come January, February, once all the rumors are swirling about the Knicks and what have you, it was just so awkward, uncomfortable. He he really set the tone for that entire locker room. He was sullen, moody, unhappy, obviously didn't like the media, and it, it really trickled down to that I thought the rest of the guys and at times affected their play. And as and I tell people all the time. You know, this is a unique job in a lot of ways, but it's just like any other work environment. You know, if, if one of the leaders at your place of work is uh, is sullen and unhappy, it's going to affect the rest of the mood in that work environment. And I think everyone is kind of relieved in a lot of ways that he is gone. And even though they might not be as talented as last season, if you talk to Ste- Steph Curry and Draymond and Clay Thompson – they're as excited about the season as any because it's so new and it's just so much freshness. There's yeah. definitely going to be a more one-for-all mentality, and yeah, like you say. And it's it's amazing to me that Durant couldn't find happiness on one of the best teams ever living in the Bay Area with a with a, an understanding media. You know, I'm, it's not like we were pressing him and can't, we you know, we just. Uh, the questions were so innocuous that he went off on where it, it was amazing to me. And I won't say he's in for a rude awakening in Brooklyn because he's too smart to uh, not know uh, what's in store for him in New York with everything else. But uh, it could be brutal. It really could. Uh, for him. Unfortunately, he'll have the wanderlust again. Unfortunately for Kevin, I think he's just one of those people who's always going to be searching mm-hmm. for happiness and, and, and for some sort of fulfillment in his life. Um, I think we've all met people who, for whatever reason, there's just some deep void inside of them. And no matter how much money they have, no matter what they have going on in their life, they're just deeply unhappy. And and I think Kevin is unhappy. Um, and 
and I think that's that's uh, that's a big reason why he went to Brooklyn. He's he he came to Golden State searching for happiness, and then still wasn't fulfilled or happy after winning two Finals MVPs and two NBA titles. And so he's thinks that playing with some close friends in Brooklyn might help him find that. And you know, I hope he does. Uh, just as someone who's gotten to know him a little bit, I, I hope he does. But um, like I said, I, I think the Warriors are moving forward. I'll tell you who might be happy to move forward in that respect would be Steve Kerr mm-hmm. because I think Kerr sees coaching as a challenge, so he doesn't look at things like that as a uh, – that he went through with Durant as a problem and, oh, my God, this is, uh, this is not fun. I think he relishes the challenge of doing stuff like that. But I think after a period of years, I don't think the two of them were ever completely in sync. I don't, don't think Durant ever bought in uh, totally too artistically or just the t- team vibe. And uh, I think Kerr will be I, – I think he's – going to feel positively about getting past that and, and getting with a group of guys who are basically 100% buying into his yeah. philosophies, his weirdness, and also his <laughs> his uh, schemes is on the court. Yeah, so, it's, go- it's going to be really interesting to watch him whenever he comes back to the court, even this next year, you know, playing with his close friends. You know, Kyrie, is, is he's got the best handle anybody's ever seen. He's phenomenal. He was on a title team. But, you know, he wasn't the greatest uh, presence with the Celtics last year. Said some of the most bizarre things I've ever heard. <laughs> You know, he had hit, after his fourth straight bad shooting night in the playoffs, he goes, well, nobody cares. <laughs> well, except how about everybody in Boston, for God's sake? How about your teammates? Yeah, and, and you know, DeAndre Jordan's a big – is Kevin Durant going to press for him over Jared Allen, you know, because he's a friend of, of Jordan? I mean, all these things. The fact is the standings are going to tell him something, and that is that Kevin Durant isn't so great that he can lift that team – to greatness. I don't see it happening, barring of more drastic changes in their roster. So as I alluded to earlier, there's so many different questions hanging over this team that we can dig into, but I'll just start here. Uh, there's eight newcomers to the roster, and the reality is for the Warriors to contend, and I'm not saying even win a title, but contend for a title, um, You we, the Warriors need at least a couple of those guys to really exceed expectations. You know, none of those guys outside of D'Angelo Russell come come with a ton of acclaim. Um, and they need the Willie Cauley-Steins, the Mari Spellmans of the world to be better than advertised um, just from a depth standpoint, especially from a defensive standpoint, which there are a ton of question marks with with Clay injured and, and Andre Godala gone. So my question for you guys is, of the eight newcomers, who are you most intrigued by, and why? Oh, I think I think uh, probably Willie Cauley Stein, uh, because if if he really comes to life, he kind of lost he lost faith in the Kings because they had lost a little bit of faith in him, and so did the fans. It got really sour for him. But this is a super talented guy who can run the floor. He can really do just about anything you, you would ask of him if he's motivated. And if he does that, and they can you know come in with Looney late in the game as a big, that that's going to be huge. Uh, I'd say he's he's probably the most uh, interesting, and, and and like most of these guys, you know, unlike Durant, Collie Stein comes to the Warriors and goes, "This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me." Look who I'm <laughs> playing with. Look at look at the history. Look, look at the how great the franchise has run. So, but I put him at the top. I think I got the opportunity last month to go to Kansas with Willie Collie Stein. He's from a small right. town in western Kansas called Spearville, very isolated town, town that's so small where that there less than 800 residents have to drive 20 minutes into a neighboring town just to buy groceries or go to a movie <laughs> or eat at a chain restaurant. 
Um, and I got to spend an evening with him. And, and I have a, a story that I'm excited about dropping here, hopefully shortly, hopefully in the next week or so, um, detailing that experience and, and getting at his story. But one of my big takeaways from that evening with him was just how eager and excited he is for this new opportunity, for this new chapter with the Warriors. As you alluded to, he was unhappy in his four years with Sacramento. I asked him what I felt was a pretty innocuous question about Sacramento, and he went on a 10-minute rant about everything, every problem he had there and how he felt scapegoated and he wasn't utilized properly. And he's just excited to be in a functional winning environment. And he said that he can already – feel the difference and so I think you're going to see a guy who is has a lot of natural ability who hasn't even come close to tapping into it and I actually think he can be better than a lot of people think and honestly um, he's extremely important to what the Warriors are going to do this year I mean he's almost definitely going to be their starting center he's going to need to be a factor both offensively and defensively and shoulder a pretty heavy load because there's a lot of questions about that front guard. You still you still have Kavon Looney, um, but Omari Spellman's got the the weight issue. Alan Smilagic is super young, probably not ready to play. Eric Pascal's really a four or maybe even a three. He's not much of a center type, so he's going to need to do his part for the Warriors to to be in contention. Real quick, what do, what do you hear about Spellman's weight right now? Um, I heard that he can he he showed up at off-season workouts in better shape it's still a work in progress though i don't mm-hmm. i don't have an exact number i know he got up to so 410 was inaccurate <laughs> <laughs> he got up to like 296 la- like yeah. mid-season last year which is really the big reason why atlanta cut ties with him yeah. but he's a guy who's talented and uh, i'm actually gonna i'm working on a story on him as well there you go m- about his weight issues and and it's been a lifelong struggle for him so if he can figure out the weight issues i actually think he can be a really solid backup big I actually i thought he was an upgrade from damian jones yeah connor you might want to pace yourself you're gonna have the, <laughs> the, the story of the whole team laid out before the season even starts but the thing that like we were saying though i think every night or every week there's going to be something fresh right. about this team that's okay and look at this now well how's this going to affect them this is great or maybe this isn't so great but it's going to be ongoing you know which as opposed to the relative uh, I wouldn't say it was monotonous, but you I know, was running out of things to write. I'll be honest. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a, because there was so such little roster turnover yeah. for three, four years there, where it's like, okay, what new can I say about Steph? What new can I say <laughs> yeah. about Draymond that I haven't written before? Um, and and Rocco would never talk. So it was, <laughs> it was getting more and more uh, challenging. So I'm, I'm. It's, it's a nice reprieve to to have other people to write about. Yeah. Oh, and. Uh, in terms of my most interesting guy that I'm want to see how he, he works out at D'Angelo, I'm going to go with D'Angelo Russell mm-hmm. because uh, it's kind of simplistic to say he's got to play well. But he's going to have to be Clay Thompson for three months or something like that. But he's a scorer, and and scorers sometimes have the mentality kind of like a wide receiver mentality. Uh, not I'm not saying Antonio Brown, but they're a little bit crazy, and they're very mm-hmm. egotistical. They can be as a group, guys who can score, have, have that talent. And he doesn't seem to have that from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. He seems to be ready to buy completely into the team concept, which could fit in beautifully. And uh, 
you got to score, man. You got to. <laughs> they still keep scoring the games. <laughs> you can have all the teamwork score, score and, the and basketball. you know, guys yeah, you who can set picks. You got to score the basketball <laughs> <laughs> and eat the dinner while you're right. at it. Do you remember when we did the Bruce? We did the All Star Draft podcast, and both of us were kind of giving D'Angelo Russell a hard time, like, oh, this guy's an All Star. But hey, you know the guy had a good year. He did with the Nets. I think he was deserving to to, to get that All Star nod. And um, I personally think he's going to be a better fit with the Warriors than a lot of people <clears throat> think. People are saying, "Hey, he's an ISO guy. He's a pick and roll guy. Warriors aren't an ISO team." Well, they're going to maybe have to become one. And the truth is, the Warriors wanted Willie Cauley Stein largely for his pick and roll abilities. Mm. And so, what you're going to see a lot is you're going to see. Willie Cauley-Stein and D'Angelo Russell kind of leading that second unit. They're going to stagger the minutes in such a way where they're, the pick-and-roll game between Russell and Willie Cauley-Stein is a, is a center centerpiece of, of the offense when Draymond and Steph are sitting. So um, that's going to be really fascinating. I think D'Angelo Russell, he, he can actually play off the ball, even though he didn't really have to. In Brooklyn, he's a really good spot-up shooter. So that and And this is also a guy who's – spent his entire adult life idolizing Steph Curry. So I think hmm. he's going to do whatever he can to make that partnership work. Yeah. Do you think in the Warriors' perfect world, Clay comes back strong, looking better than ever, and they trade D'Angelo for a wing, which is what a lot of people suspected they did from the beginning, or are they willing to uh, let it play out and maybe make him a, a permanent or long they, they're From everyone I've talked to in the organization, plan A is for this to be a long-term hmm. thing. And and they can play, you know, as you know, the NBA, your position is largely de- uh, dependent on who you're guarding. And that's not an issue, really, because Clay Thompson can guard small forwards mm-hmm. or really anyone he needs to guard yeah. outside of maybe centers. Um, so, Zion. yeah, so <laughs> uh, I don't I, I think that they can make it work and they're they're confident that they can make it work. I think when they did the sign and trade for Russell and there was all that chatter, oh, they just got him for mm-hmm. a trade piece. I think that was overblown. Mm-hmm. That's their backup plan, but they want this to work. And I think um, if you look at the timing of everything, Clay might not come back until right around the trade deadline anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want to see how that works before they look into trading D'Angelo Russell. Sure. So um, so the odds of him getting traded this season seem minimal to mm-hmm. me. But in terms of guys I'm most excited about, you guys honestly hit on both of them. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein in particular is someone I'm fascinated by. But one name I'll throw out there is Eric Pascal. Mm. Um, he was actually their, their last draft pick in, in the draft at, at 40, 41, a guy who played four years of college, won national championship at Villanova, comes in with a, a pedigree and an experience level that not a lot of rookies these days come in with and I think he's a guy that is going to need to step into a a, a real vital rotation role right away if you just look at this depth chart I mean he's got to be probably he or Amari Spellman need to be the backup four I think he's in some ways more ready right now I was impressed by what he did at summer league he wasn't he's not going to wow you with anything he does but he doesn't make a lot of mistakes he's in the right places he he can he can shoot you know the mid range out to three point. Um, he's strong physically, um, so they need which, which it's not very often that the Warriors or really any NBA team says to a 
41st pick rookie, you need to come in and play significant minutes. But that's the case with him. And then a couple other guys just that I'll mention here, Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third. Uh, those guys might be their – one of those guys might be the Warriors starting small forward mm-hmm. while Clay is out. Either them or Alfonso McKinney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Robinson and, and Alec Burks are obviously coming off underwhelming seasons. Uh, their, their careers have derailed, so this is an opportunity for them to resuscitate their careers. They have 3 and D abilities, so it'll be fascinating to see if they can actually live up to that. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in Poole also. He he's a he's a real cocky kid. It's sort of like Nick Young, but not nearly that off the rails. Uh, he's <laughs> he, he's a lot more a lot more measured, I think. But he really believes in himself, and he's got a nice way about him. He's done some cool videos in the summer, uh, and uh, he's got a beautiful stroke. And you know, you can't if you come on a team with Curry, you, you'd better be able to shoot shoot that. You know, Nick Young did that most for the most yeah. part. But this guy, I think, has got a lot more to offer. I think he'll be interesting, obviously not as a mainstay and a guy they're totally depending on, but it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, coming off the bench. Yeah, I th- I personally still think he's a year or two away from being able to contribute. I would not be surprised if he spent some time in Santa Cruz mm. this season. I I thought that was a reach uh, where, they, where they took him at 28. I understand why they did it. They just really felt like they needed – a shooter off the bench at that wing position, and he was kind of the best available. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm a little skeptical on whether or not he's really an NBA player. I mean, he his, his one thing that he's good at is sh- shooting the three, and he's not an elite three-point shooter. Who's I mean, the he's guy? solid, but he's not, you know, elite Who, by any Who's the guy standard. that Boston drafted that the Warriors could have had but didn't at that position? Uh, Dylan, wasn't that Dylan? Ed- Edwards um, or... I'm forgetting his name. Yeah. Oh, are you thinking Car- of Carson, Carson Edwards? Carson Edwards. I don't. I, from what I heard, it wasn't uh, not exactly a fit, a match. But <laughs> it wasn't Carson Edwards that they were targeting. It, it was. Um, I'm going to look up his name. I'm forgetting his name. The guy out of the guy out of Belmont, uh, Dylan. Um, Ian Clark Country. Let me yeah. check his name real quick. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Carson, Windler is uh-huh. now with the Cavs. He uh, he was a late first round pick who went. Uh, just a, a few spots before the Warriors were drafting, and they, from what I had heard, were seriously interested in him, and he fit exactly what they're looking for. You know, a big wing who can shoot, and you know he went at twenty six, two spots yeah. before, so they they kind of went down. I'm just saying they list. did have a shot at Edwards and didn't do it, and that, he might not be anywhere close. There's so, so many Edward yeah, who, Carson Edwards types who flame <laughs> out. A guy who's a shooting guard in the point guard's body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't use a first-round pick on a guy like that, especially when the Warriors actually need that guy to maybe contribute at some point mm-hmm. soon. So there's a there's a lot to to dig in here. One one question I have for you guys is what what do you think about what Steve Kerr is facing? It feels like his entire job description is changing. Uh, his first five years with Golden State, his job was largely about managing egos mm-hmm. and, 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 and and figuring out the lost locker room dynamic and, and, and getting everyone to play with joy and, and play his style of play. And now it's really more about player development. You've seen them really bolster their player development staff this summer, adding three new guys to that staff, one of whom was Aaron Miles, their, the head coach in Santa Cruz. Um, and and so it's player development. It's 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 figuring out how to get a team that on paper doesn't look very good defensively to buy in defensively. Yeah. It's um, getting 
that bench to exceed expectations because the bench is going to need to be better than people think. So what do you, what do you think about what he faces, and, and do you think he's up for the challenge? Well, for me, it's two things. I mean, the, the defense is going to be huge for Kerr and Ron Adams. I mean, Clay is one of the best. Uh, you know, you lose uh, you lose Durant, and Iguodala is, is a huge, huge loss. Which Kerr was pretty frank about how big of a loss that is. So you lose three. You know, Durant could play fierce defense when he wanted to. Uh, maintaining that defensive intensity that started with Mark Jackson and was a huge part of everything they've ever done here. I don't know how they, they're going to do it, but that'll be big. And the other thing is I, I think he needs to maintain the basic offensive mentality, even with a whole different group, even with thoughts about pick and roll, because that's the essence of this team. That's the essence of any, any, any great team is, is fantastic ball movement. And, you know, Durant came out and said that it's, it only works to some point. And, you know, it's true, and Kerr diplomatically said he's right, because, but it always, it always slows down in the playoffs, whether it's a Magic Lakers or Walt Fraser and the Knicks or San Antonio or all the way back to you know, Sam Jones and Havlicek. It always comes down to who's your guy at the end. You know, this is a sound offense. It's the best offense we've seen, certainly in his history, one of the best. And uh, you know, Durant, of course, you know, demeaned it because he's Kevin Durant. But I think they need to maintain that, that spirit of, of unselfishness, a better pass, uh, always looking out for the next guy and keep the ball moving. Yeah, I think Kerr is really looking forward to this season in a lot of ways uh, because he he has said he wanted to, to coach for the long haul. He's talked about maybe 10 years or something like that. So it's clear that he is not just, oh, let's milk uh, Steph and, and Clay and those guys for what they get, and then I'll get the hell out of here with my <laughs> golden record. I think yeah. he, he, wants, he sees himself more as a real coach, you know, working through problems and challenges mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he's going to have a load of them this season. And I think he sees this as a chance to – Kind of exercises creativity and his 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 coaching ability so and on to, and off the court. They get yeah. to the playoffs and get a couple rounds deep. You know, his his reputation was oh, yeah. already he's going to just go through the roof. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously always faced that criticism of is he really a coach? I mean, <laughs> can he really coach? What what's his what is his uh, X's and O's? What's his player development? Um, is he just a guy who's there to 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 make to ease egos and, and get guys to be friendly with each other. Yeah. But isn't, um, isn't I, I've that... always said I, I, I don't I don't think he is necessarily the world's greatest in-game tactician, and he'll even tell you that, but he is a phenomenal offensive mind, mm-hmm. and I think he has an incredible ability to relate to any type of player, which is probably his greatest skill as a coach, is yeah. he can make anyone comfortable, he can make anyone um feel like they belong and that's going to be incredibly valuable as he tries to integrate eight newcomers into this roster yeah i i personally don't think he's trying to live down that or or get beyond that thing of oh he's just coach of the great team obviously i think he realizes that people in basketball not even players but other coaches and stuff realize he's done a pretty damn good job and it's not just about making sure kevin shows up to work every day and all that stuff but so i I think he's secure in that i think Mm -hmm. he just uh he uh, wants, to, wants to advance himself as a coach. You talk about being secure. This is a lifetime bench guy who, when it came down to that big <laughs> playoff game in Chicago against Utah, uh, he went do or die shot. He's on the bench and telling Michael Jordan, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm there if you need me. If you double time, <laughs> I'm going to be there. I mean, this is Steve right. Kerr. And he right. was there and he hit the shot, for God's sake. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's what, his comfort level because he was a shooter and he knew he was. Yeah. And, and when he first came in as a coach, he didn't have that comfort level. And he told me that, 
he like a month before training camp, he was sweating every night, thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh my God, this is these. I have these great schemes and everything. <laughs> if it doesn't work, I'm going to be here about ten minutes, and they're going to fire me." Now he's beyond that, and I think he's at the point he was as a shooter. As a coach, he's he's like yeah. he was with with Jordan. He's now saying, "Give me the ball. I can handle it." Very cool. Now, and so one thing I wanted to touch on is we actually uh, myself and and Carlos Gonzalez, our photographer, got a chance to tour the locker room, the the performance center earlier this week. I know that media had gotten a chance to look at it earlier, but it's, this was the first time it was officially unveiled where we could actually take photos and 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 video, and so we actually have a virtual tour of the Performance Center on our website at SF Chronicle that you should go check out. Um, some of the things that really s- stood out to me, uh, there. well, first of all, the locker room itself is incredible. It's a circular design, and the, the ceiling is the is a replica of the ceiling at, Cha- at uh, Oracle Arena, which I thought was a really cool way mm-hmm. to kind of bring the history. And in the center of the locker room, they have um, a repurposed, part of the 2015 championship court, which Draymond Green has already declared only players who've won a championship are allowed to stand on there. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I thought that was pretty cool stuff. But, but some of the other stuff that stood out to me, there's a barber shop. Uh, they're going to be bringing in barbers to get fades and, and haircuts uh, before games, which I thought was yeah, pretty cool. Barber Seville are going to be there. Uh, the They have a two-court in arena practice facility, which I've never seen before. Uh, just to have an in arena practice facility is awesome, but no oh other God. team in the NBA has two courts. That that requires an incredible amount of space yes. and money, which the Warriors are obviously sparing no expense. And so that was awesome. And then one thing that stood out to me was uh, the they have something called a mindfulness room, which was Rick Rick Celebrini's idea. Rick Celebrini, their their head trainer, and it has a sleep pod. It has different activities to help you relax and, and train your mind before a game, um, kind of going along with just their the, their whole goal to, to really work on mental health. So yeah. Where was that when Durant was here? Right, right. <laughs> if anyone needed it, it was, uh, it was Kevin Durant. I don't know if he would have used it, though. <laughs> That's the issue. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to be exciting to – to go to that arena every day because honestly, have you? I know you have Bruce, but Scott, have you gotten the chance to go yet? Yeah, I've been there. <clears throat> I've been there about four times. So, oh wow, okay, another place pretty well. Well, I've been on sabbaticals. So I haven't yeah. been uh, seeing everything you've done, but no, it's probably the nicest arena I've ever seen. Uh, just all the design elements in the art, it's uh, it's incredible. Yeah. So. Have you seen the uh, the message board or the the video screen rather in the center? Have you seen it lit up in action? No, no. Because I was in there once when it, they lit it up, and it is uh, mind blowing. I mean, it's uh, they talk about Jerry Jones's thing down there in Texas, mm-hmm. and I haven't been down there. I guess that's spectacular, but it's it's probably four or five times bigger than the one at Oracle. Mm. It's huge and it's ultra fantastic, high def. I can't imagine anybody going there unless you're in the, sitting courtside. Nobody's going to be watching the game. They're just going to be sitting there watching well, the, the screen. There's is so crazy. many stats and little features that right. they put in there. I mean, oh, if, yeah. you're, if you're into the numbers, you, you might be not watching the game for minutes at a time. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 very cool. It, it's it's uh, they, they did a, they did a fantastic job. It's really kind of overwhelming. Yeah. If well, you can afford to get in, God bless you. Bruce, Scott, I really appreciate you joining me on the pod this week. It it was uh, awesome having you, and I look forward to next week. Uh, Stay locked and loaded, as always, at sfchronicle.com for all our coverage from Media Day and the first week of training camp. It should be a lot of fun. Go put some pants on.
Welcome back. <laughs> I want to thank Scott Osler and Bruce Jenkins for joining me on the podcast. It was great picking their brains about the upcoming Warrior season. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. 